selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting Made for This. KiwiCo delivers monthly science and art projects that celebrate a child's natural curiosity and sparks a love for lifelong learning. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code MADEFORTHIS at KiwiCo.com. Today on Made For This, we are going to be looking at Philippians 4 verses 2 through 4 and 7 through 8. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we have come to the place where there's a girl fight. Yes, in the end of Philippians, Paul is addressing two different women that are leaders in the church that need to get along better. So we all know that this happens. This is all of us. Like I've said before, until we've had a fight, we're barely real friends. So conflict is a part of relationships. And he's not dogging them for having conflict. He's just saying, hey, you got to work that out. you got to come to a resolution. There's two resolutions that you can come to. One resolution is, you know what? We need space and this friendship is no longer healthy for us. And that is okay. Now, how you know that that's the case is that over and over again, you have tried to reconcile, tried to come to understanding, but this friendship continues after a lot of work. Key there is that you've given it a lot of work. You still have continued dissension and disagreement. 
there's a place for conflict resolution. There's a place for working and sticking with the people that God has given you to do life with and not just running because it gets difficult. I think we're tempted to do that, that when a relationship gets hard, we're out. And and this is not at all what Christian community is about. Like you are going to have fights. You're going to have disagreements. And that actually should serve to bring you closer. That having great conflict is a part of great relationships. But Paul knows that reconciliation is important to display God to this world. So how do we reconcile and how do we move forward? One is we keep short accounts. Because our hope is heaven, because our citizenship is heaven, because our hope is God and our relationship is ultimately satisfied in God, then we can let people be people. And we can let them disappoint us, let them hurt us, and we can let that slide. We can keep short accounts and let those things you know, roll off our back. So many hurts are truly just misunderstandings. So many times I've thought someone meant something and I've read into it and I've built an entire case against myself from that person that they must be feeling, that they must be thinking. And all of a sudden we have this huge war and the other person doesn't even know it. The other person looked at me sideways because they were hungry. I mean, we can build entire wars between each other and it's all make-believe, it's pretend. So we need to be careful to make sure that if we're going to deal with an offense, which I believe there's a time for that, that it's a real offense. However, if you notice something, and this is my rule on it, Paul knows and understands there's going to be conflict and there's going to be times that we get angry. And he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is in Ephesians 4 and give no opportunity to the devil. So this is my rule on when to address something. I tell my team this in the offices. If something lingers, you know, don't don't be quick to run in somebody's office and try to make something right. Because a lot of times that's actually our own selfish ambition just to put our conscience at, at peace or just to not feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it's the less selfish thing to give something space and time to walk away from it, to sleep on it a few nights. And if if you notice you can't let that thing go, then go to that person and say, you know what, something you said the other day, maybe I misunderstood you, but it really hasn't, I haven't been able to shake it. What did you mean by this? And give them a chance. Assume the best. Assume they didn't mean something ill. Or perhaps, and many times, that other person has some hurt that they've held on to and they haven't brought to you. But give them grace to bring it to you at that time. Yeah, ideally, they probably should have brought it to you first. We all should. We should be accountable to when we can't let something go to bring that anger to someone else and and to work it out and not to let it take root and a root of bitterness to rise up in us. But Let's give people grace. Maybe they've been too busy. Maybe they they haven't even noticed or known exactly how to bring it to us. So my rule is when you've given it a few nights sleep and you can't shake it, ask to sit down with that person, but approach them in a lot of grace and just be like, let me tell you what I experienced. Let me tell you what that made me feel. And then here's the other thing. When people come to us with those things, we'd be so quick to apologize. I can't tell you how many times people have brought me something that I didn't even mean. Like there was no ill intention in me. There was no purposeful hurt. I did not even realize I said it or did it, but that doesn't matter. The bottom line is they felt hurt and they felt hurt by me. And so I take accountability for hurting them, even if I didn't mean to. And so we apologize and we say, what can I do? These are my favorite two lines. I'm so, well, they're my least favorite lines, but they work. I'm so sorry. And what can I do to make that right? And you don't really need to say a lot else. (laughs) Because most of the time, the more we say, then we move into defending ourselves. And I've learned that there is very little good done in defending myself. What I am calling you to, what Paul was calling us to, what God is calling us to is a supernatural, completely wholly different mindset that is guarded, supplied, filled with Christ Jesus. 
He is the way we will think. He is the way we will relate. He is the way and means by which we speak. He is the means by which we reconcile because we have been forgiven so much, we forgive. Because we have been loved so much, we love. Because we have been given such abundance, we give away our abundance. This is the story of God. This is what how we live out the gospel. It is in relationship. It's not in isolation. That is easier. It is easier to hide and to not have to work these things out, to let no one hurt us, to guard ourselves with our own isolation and loneliness, but it is a miserable way to live. As a parent, it can be hard to find creative ways to keep my kids busy and challenged, and KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. KiwiCo delivers monthly science and art projects that spark a love for lifelong learning for kids of all ages. My son William got the cutest KiwiCo crate, so he's three and a half. It had all the different pieces and parts to make a zoo animal little finger puppet collection, and he loved it. I mean, they it was easy to put together for his age, and he was able to do a lot of it independently, which is really fun. The crate that I'm most excited about is the yummy crate. It's like the science of cooking. So you can get your kid in the kitchen, help them get confident with cooking and hands-on experimentation, and they provide family-friendly, kid-tested and kid-tasted recipes and activities so you can experience the joy of preparing and sharing a meal together. Celebrate the season of discovery with a KiwiCo subscription. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code MADEFORTHIS at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code MADEFORTHIS. Back in the day, Henry Cloud and I were actually, we were owning and operating health centers, a system of health centers up and down the west coast of California between Seattle to the north and San Diego to the south. And um, these were Christian counseling and psychiatric centers. So we had inpatient units where we saw people who were really struggling. They would stay there for weeks and weeks to get well. And then we also had uh, a lot of outpatient centers where they, you know, there's like once a week counseling. And we, we began noticing something. And that was that so many people would come in with a depression or an anxiety or a eating disorder or, you know, stuff that's horrible, uh, bad relationship problems. And they did all the good things you're supposed to do that the Bible says about loving the Lord and surrender and reading your Bible and following the Holy Spirit. And they weren't getting better. They were getting worse. And it's like, hey, why are the good guys getting worse here? And because we had studied all this stuff together, we realized that a lot of these people had no boundaries. They couldn't say no, and they couldn't say, you know, that's not okay with me. And it's, it's, it's like nobody ever told in Proverbs 4.23, which says, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life, and hundreds of other verses. And so they were, they were, they were having uh, uh, problems with addicts in their life and narcissistic disorders in their life, and they were just kind of getting beat up and beat up and giving and giving and beat up and beat up and giving and giving. Well, you guys got to say no. And they felt bad about it. We said, let's open our Bibles. We would have these sessions with them in, in, the, in the units and say, read Matthew. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
and shake the dust off your sandals sometimes. In Galatians 6, do not be confused that God is not mocked. A person will reap what they sow. And so what we realized was people just didn't feel like, especially Christians, it was okay to say no. So we said, we can't have that. We started giving them boundaries, and they started getting well. The marriages got better. Their depressions went away. They had great careers. And so we looked around, and there were plenty of books written on the Christian space about love and surrender, all you want. Nothing written about say no when you need to. So we had a mission, which was to help people to see that there are hundreds, literally hundreds of Bible passages about self-responsibility, and that's not being selfish. It's being a good steward of the life God gave you, and that's when we wrote the book. Talk a minute about what a boundary is. Well, simply put, um, a boundary is a property line. Like in your home, you've got, you know, if you live in an apartment, it's the walls around you. And if it's a, if you've got a house, it's the, it's the yard around you. And there's this line. You go to the county seat courthouse and there'll be something there. And everything in that line is your responsibility. It's literally, you're responsible for it. If your plumbing goes bad, then, you know, that problem at 3 a.m. when you're getting towels and you're using plungers, that's your plumbing problem. Now, if your neighbor's house is getting a plumbing problem, you want to help your neighbor and go over there and support them and all that. But ultimately, that's your neighbor's problem. And so boundaries mean I'm responsible for everything within my property line. Well, if you look back to Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart. Well, what's inside the heart? What am I responsible for? Well, it's things like my time, my energy, my money, my feelings, my core values, my passions, And I'm responsible to do something good with those and create something healthy to give God back and do great work in his kingdom. But the minute I start taking over responsibility for somebody else's property line, I violated that and I've become a codependent. And if you've ever had someone, always when I'm speaking to people, I'll just say, let's talk about the property line. How many of you have a person in your life in some some form or fashion where they said, hey, I'm miserable and it's your job to make me happy? Everybody raises their hands. And I'll say, right, we all know that and have done that. How How is that working for you? And they all go, well, we're both miserable now because mm-hmm. God never made us to take over charge of somebody's life, unless there's an infant or somebody in a medical condition, That's that sort of thing. So the property line works when I'm responsible for me and two others. And if you keep the four and the two straight, life is really a lot better. So when do we know, okay, this relationship is needing a boundary? Because I think that's the, you know, unconditionally loving people is not what you're against. You're saying that within that unconditional love, there needs to be a healthy line drawn of what it means to, to what, to be in relationship with you, to, to have, you know, what, what is that boundary? What are you actually drawing boundaries around? Sure. Um, by the way, I really like the way you phrase it because it's within the love. So many people say, oh, I, I'm, I, I gotta, I'm loving too much and I need a boundary. And I go, whoa, whoa, read your Bible. You can't love too much. God is love. So it's not an either or. I'm too loving. Now I need boundaries. I got too many boundaries. I need enough love. It's both and. God loves unconditionally and sacrificially, but he also says no and says limits at the same time. And that was really important to understand for people. So there are what I consider three boundary skills that everybody needs. Skill number one is to be able to define yourself. Sometimes there's no problem. It's just that you're not being clear and having your voice. 
And it means, you know, I don't feel like Mexican tonight. I think I'd like to go for Chinese food. Well, that's a boundary. It's saying, I'm defining myself, or I really like this kind of worship music. I'm not crazy about this kind of worship music. Now, there's no big fight going on, but people that don't define themselves find themselves in trouble sooner or later. So you've got to define yourself. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. Second skill is the ability to say no in a healthy way, in a loving way. So that's when people say, oh, I need your time. Can you speak? Can you, can you, can you like, and I don't know, uh, have lunch with me t- twice a week for the next two, two years because you're a wise person? And sometimes we'd say, gosh, I'd love to, but that doesn't work for me. And we have to disappoint people in healthy ways because God disappoints people all the time. We're not, we can't be there for everybody. And then the third is to be able to say confrontations in a loving way where we go to the person and say, like it says in Matthew 18, you know, when somebody sins against you, go to that person. And we have to say, um, this isn't okay with me. Now, the, uh, the not okay things tend to be around behavior and, and uh, conversations and attitudes. If the person's behaviors are hurtful or, I mean, maybe they're taking advantage of you uh, in some financial way or whatever, behavior is a big thing. If somebody's behavior is unloving and taking away your freedom, you got to talk to them. If sometimes the conversations are unloving, like um, if somebody's, yelling and screaming and judging you or criticizing you or gossiping about you or whatever, you have to confront that. And then the, the, the other piece is, is just their attitude. Seems like every time I say no, you get mad at me like I'm a bad person, but I want you to be free in me too. So you, if you stick with behavior and conversations and attitudes, those are the things we have to make sure there are boundaries around to keep respect and love. So when do we know this is a relationship that maybe you need to think about putting better boundaries in place. When you're finding that you can't be the you that God made you to be, when you can't have choices and be okay, when you can't have someone respect your choices and uh, accept your choices, even if they don't agree, and when you don't feel like you could be emotionally connected, it always comes down to love and and freedom and self-protection. There's a big difference between what the Bible says of being a peacemaker, Matthew 5, and being a peacekeeper. And when you get the difference, mm-hmm. oh, the Bible tells me to make peace, but sometimes I've got to you know, disrupt things and have some difficult conversations. But peacekeepers, there's nothing in the Bible that says be a peacekeeper. Yeah, and that can apply to a lot of life. In fact, my friend Latasha Morrison, we talk about that, and we talk about she's a racial reconciliation advocate, and it's just she's given her life to it, and and that's exactly how she lives. I mean, it is it is a hard road, but she is actively pursuing peace. But it is very active, and some days it looks the opposite of peace. Sometimes you got to be a little disruptive for things to grow. Yes. And I'm so grateful for that person that said that to me because I needed that permission. And I think that's why I wanted to have you on was I think we all need permission to say no sometimes. We need permission to to back up and to you know think about who we're becoming. And I, I do believe the relationships we have will become who we are, you know, within a year or two years, like the people we spend time with, that's part of- Okay. You need to say that statement again for your listening audience. That was like brilliant. Say that again. The people that we're around are going to determine who we are becoming. There you go. That's what the Bible says. That's what the science says. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And so if we don't think through that well, I loved the guard your heart verse, like that's ultimately- 
a proactive stance that we've got to take. And yet so many people are letting relationships drain them and drain them and and really define them. And I would say sometimes without even realizing it, it's, it, it is abusive in the sense of continual negative talk that causes you to lose who you are. And I think we, we do. We think that it is ungodly to stand up and to say, this is wrong or this is not good for me. And so I think that permission that you are giving people with this book that you and Dr. Cloud gave people, it is a different way to think. The thing about it, though, is that a lot of times when persons never had boundaries, their first boundary is not very nice. No. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so true. Said people read the book and they'd say, I read the book and I'd never said no. And I'm 42 years old and I, I did everything my mother said and my father said, and then everything my spouse said and everything my kids said. And I finally read the book and I went to my husband and I said, it's going to change around here. I'm going to have a boundary. And he went, God, what green eyed monster are you? Right. And I yeah, said, right. well, it, it, people feel that way because they've never, never said no. But if you make your, your no a loving no, you know, you're not talking to some mean person. You're just saying, Hey, I, I haven't spoken up about how it bothers me that you, you know, I don't know, don't that you don't pick up your socks or that sometimes your voice is unkind. And I'm sorry, because I, I should have let you know that. I want to work that out. You start off with a tender, kind, vulnerable way before you like, you know, set out the the banners. Now Matthew 18 does say if the person doesn't listen, then you bring two or three witnesses and you bring a whole bunch of people and you escalate it. But your first boundary with somebody should never be, you know, hey, I'm going to have a, a parade all over your head. Most people are going to side with it's just too much trouble and I'm just going to stay, even though this is toxic, yeah. um, I'm just going to stay in it. I can handle it. It's not a big deal. But you say, I mean, that's the same as a child, that we're saying we're choosing pleasure and comfort over a greater way. Or or, or, or maybe not even pleasure, but more absence of conflict because, you know, most of us, when when there's a conflict, we feel unloved or we feel fear of rejection. So a lot of times it's, it's, it's not as much pleasure as it is, I just don't want the hassle and the arguments. So one of the things we're talking about in the season is what it looks like to find healthy friendships. So let's talk about that for a minute. What you look for when you're building community and what you think we should be looking for. I just released a book that has seven or eight attributes my new book, People Feel, talks about, because people always say that, like, okay, now I'm setting boundaries. Now, you know, I don't have any more friends, so give me t- – <laughs> <laughs> they all want to – That's away. not what you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so how do I – and I, I always say, well, there's, there's seven or eight things to always look for. Number one is um, shared essential values, core values. You know, basically a, a similar outlook on life. If you want a deep friend, I mean, nobody should agree on everything because that's just not healthy. But kind of, you know, you feel the same way about love and – God and, you know, relationship and success and all that. Um, the second thing is that they're for you no matter what, and you're for them. Even if you disagree, it's, it's the grace position. I'm for you. I mean, I want you to, I want to help you, even if we don't see things the same way. I never want to judge you. The third is honesty. We you commit in a friendship. Now, if you see me doing something in my marriage or my parenting or whatever, that's not okay. Would you tell me? Because that's what friends do. The next one is vulnerability, where people really go beyond just sharing how life's going to how they're really struggling and where the hurts are. And that takes a very safe friend. But, you know, life's short. I don't think you should be around, spend a whole lot of time of your friendships around people who can't be vulnerable. It's very important. Um, The next one is mutuality. Like, it's about me and it's about you. And when we get together, I'm going to talk about my life and challenges and wins and losses. And you talk about yours. 
And if it's like 90-10 every time you guys have lunch and it's it's 10% about you and 90% about the other person, that's not really a friendship. That's more of a ministry. And so we're supposed to disciple and help other people. But the 90-10 doesn't work as a mutual friendship over time. The next one is a commitment to growth that I want my closest friends. In the book, I call it my life team. My model is three to 10 people in your life who are, have these qualities. They'll make your life much better. For them, growth is not just a, hey, I'll see you when I see you, but I am reading books. I'm going to meetings. I'm studying the Bible. I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm going to conferences. I want people who are committed to self-growth and self-improvement. And then finally, chemistry. And you can't really define chemistry. It just is. And there's, I just want to be around people that have all those other great qualities, but also I want to be with them. I don't want to have people in my life where I wake up in the morning, I've got lunch with Sam, and I think, you know, I just, it's going to feel like eating broccoli raw all day. I just, you know, I, I know, I know he's good for me. I know he helps me, but I'm dread. I want to be saying, I can't wait to see him. We got so much to talk yeah. about. So that's when people say, how do you define a friend? I say, then get your life team together, and those are the eight qualities. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I guarantee you right now, people are like, I don't even know if I could find somebody with four of those qualities. You know, I I think that's, that's the challenge, right? Is, is life giving people um, that are healthy and growing and love God, like finding those people. I have a system for that. Oh, yay. Yay. I love your Because everybody (laughs) asks that question, like, what, I mean, do I go 1-800-FIND-A-FRIEND? How do I do this? (laughs) And so- Start a, start a friend matching start, site. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> On your smartphone. Right. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So I said, okay, yeah. I, th- I thought it was a good question. So here's where we start. Everybody pretty much on your listening audience has Outlooks and Contacts in your Contacts app that has all the people you have addresses and names. And I think people have somewhere between, I don't know, 700 and a couple of thousand people in that. that we've, we kind of accumulate them over the years, right? So you go to that. I've done this for myself so I could like eat my cooking. It'll take an hour or two and just go through that list person by person. You think, oh, I haven't seen them for a while. They have, they might have those qualities. I like them. And there's another person. What? I need to talk to them. And you'll hit somebody and you'll go, oh, they're still in federal prison. Probably not a good idea. (laughs) But you get to the end, you'll have, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. And then you just take the top one, the person that you feel the, the closest to, and you call them and you say, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Let's grab lunch. And they do. And you just talk about life as you're eating your, chicken salad or whatever. And what the, what the system does is you make one vulnerable move toward them. You just take one little risk with them. Just stick your toe in the water. Like not, not everything is great and the Lord's blessing me and everything's fantastic and Hillsong's playing in the restaurant. I mean, life is not always like that. And so one little thing, like I'm struggling with my daughter. She's kind of upside down right now. Or me and Jim had a fight last week and we're trying to get through that. Or I'm concerned about a health issue or maybe a job issue, but a little thing. And that person will tell you whether they qualify to be on your life team by one of three responses. Response number one, you say they're struggling. They go, goodness gracious, the weather out here is amazing, isn't it? Okay. Jenny, what are they telling you? <laughs> Do not go there. Do not go there. <laughs> I, I don't, whatever you're doing about taking risk and vulnerability, I just want to keep it happy. And you go, okay, I respect that, but not probably a good candidate. Second response, when you say maybe, you know, our 13-year-old is, we're struggling with her, they go, well, you got to read these three books. And are you taking supplements? Are you really praying about your kid three times a day? I think you need to get up early in the morning. Are you a good model for your kid? I got a good therapist for you. I got a good church for you. 
Well, you know, kind of the advice monster in our lives. And they're, they're well-meaning, but they're saying something too. They're saying, I would rather just kind of fix you. I don't want to hear about this. Yeah. But the third person is the good one where they put their fork down and they look at you and their eyes are kind and they lean towards you. They physically lean towards you and they go, your daughter, Samantha, I, I had no idea. We love her. I'm so sorry to hear that. How's that feel? Tell me more about it. Can I pray for you? We want to be your friend. How are you doing? It must be overwhelming. And they're moving toward your vulnerability instead of fixing or ignoring it. Mm. And then you say in yourself, hey, that's good. And then you have another lunch a couple of weeks later and another one. And by the, about the third or fourth one, you'll know this person's got those eight qualities. And then you say to the person the following, hey, I'm really getting intentional about my personal growth, my spiritual growth, and I'm trying to be more structured about it. And I really love our time together. And I'd love to get together on some regular basis, talk a lot about life and how to make things better and, and how how God's made us and our relationships and all that. And whenever I, I do this with CEOs, because CEOs tend to be very isolated, you know, kind of like the leader without a lot of people in their lives. And they'll go out and have this. And it takes about four months. And, and they'll come back and I'll say, how did it go? And they'll say, 90% of the people that I said, would you like to have a more growth-oriented structure relationship, have said, are you kidding me? I need this. I don't have this either. And they're off and running. So ready? On your phone right now. Open up your text messages and send the word podcast to the number 214-225-6267 you will be in our, what we call the texties. It's our text message best friends that we text and Jenny will send stuff, send videos, send pictures, like exclusive stuff just for you guys. Text the word podcast to Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs> 